Blog Talk Radio. What's up? What's up? It is Wide Men Can't Jump. We are back. It is Wednesday night. The NBA is in full effect here this season. We are running in the playoffs. I am your host, Nate Bush. I am here with you as always. And right now, I'm by myself. TR's running a little behind. We hope to get him on here in just a few minutes. Uh, I don't know what happened, but he is running a little bit behind. No big deal. I'll take it from here. We've got all kinds of stuff going on here tonight, and we have got some great guests joining us this evening, and we really hope to get the best NBA analysis you can get here on Wide Men Can't Jump. We're going to be joined here in about 10 minutes by Tom Moore, who's been covering the 76ers for the Bucks County Courier for 30 years. And he's going to discuss the 76ers with us, talking about them and their big win over the Miami Heat in that series. But before we go any further, we want to throw a big thank you out to our sponsors. That is the Law Offices of Stephen P. New. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, our official legal counsel, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New, located in Beckley, West Virginia. You can get a hold of Stephen P. New at this number, 1-888-692-8084, or go to newlawoffice.com. Mr. New is a licensed attorney with offices in Beckley and can be anywhere. He's a national attorney anytime you need him. He's a diehard basketball and wrestling fan, and we welcome him to the Wide Men family Please contact him again at newlawoffices.com and at 1-888-692-8084. That is Stephen P. New Law Offices. Check him out for your free consultation. All right. So we got four playoff basketball games tonight going on. It's going to be a wild night. A lot of elimination games going out on today. Today is April 25th, 2018. You can, if you're listening live, follow along with those games. Tonight we have the Wizards and the Raptors playing right now. That series tied at two games apiece. Washington and Toronto, it is a one-point game almost at halftime here. Five seconds left. Uh, Raptors lead the Wizards by one as we speak. In game five, Cleveland is back home taking on the Indiana Pacers. And the Pacers right now with three minutes and 39 seconds remaining. The Pacers are leading the Cavs 52-43. Game five, one I'm interested in. The Minnesota Timberwolves take on the Houston Rockets tonight at 9.30 Eastern time. The Rockets lead the series three games to one. I'll dive into that in just a couple minutes. And the Jazz and the Thunder play each other tonight. The Jazz lead that series 
three games to one and could finish it in Oklahoma City. And we're going to dive into that series a little bit tonight as well. But one one series we did not get into last week that ended was the Pelican series as they swept the Portland Trailblazers. I honestly couldn't think that they were going to do that. I, I thought, honestly, we would see more of that series. I thought that one had potential to go six at least. Unfortunately, for if you're a Portland fan, all flash, no dash, as they would say, no defense to help them out, no help whatsoever on the interior. Anthony Davis was too much. Nikola Mircic stretched the floor. He was a madman possessed. The only sweep that we've seen this playoff so far, the Pelicans over the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard. Lillard and C.J. McCollum could not get it going. It was a long series for those two gentlemen. And we're going to take a look at the bracket here. I believe the Pelicans will face up against another series winner in the Golden State Warriors as the Warriors won their series four games to one over the Spurs. The Spurs looked out of sorts. Imagine what the Spurs could have done this season with Kawhi Leonard. That's that's the only thing that will cause you to stop and think is why uh, why is it the Spurs couldn't have Kawhi Leonard? And I'm going to try and talk to our guest, Eric Pincus, tonight about that and what the destination may be for Kawhi Leonard and what could happen there. Um, so we'll see what happens when we get there. We're waiting on Tom Moore to call in. And since we're waiting, we'll go ahead and tell you about our other great sponsor, wowfreecam.com that's right the good folks over at wowfreecam.com have been with us from the beginning and they are one of our other sponsors that you should check out a little something for everybody over there uh must be 18 or older to access that uh just a heads up we do forget to say that occasionally but you must be 18 or older to access the good people at wowfreecam.com uh but check them out They have, like I said, a little something for everybody. Smorgasbord of pervertedness, if you will. Uh, Check it out. Enjoy yourself. uh, But must be 18 or older to do that. All right. Now, I'm going to look ahead here a little bit. The playoffs here, we have a couple of, we've got four big games tonight. We could see two series in tonight. And you could see a series in tomorrow night. Boston will take on Milwaukee tomorrow night. We'll look into that a little bit. Um, So it just depends on what happens from here moving forward. Um, Let's look back a little bit at last night's games. The Sixers have made it to the second round for the first time since 2012, which was huge for them. We'll talk more about that with Tom Moore. But the Golden State Warriors, the San Antonio Spurs did not give up at all. Uh, Kevin Durant ended the game with 25 points for the Warriors to carry them to the win. Draymond Green had 17 points, 19 rebounds on that. Klay Thompson had 24 as well. And uh, if you look at the plus-minus stats, the man leading the way in the plus-minus was Sean Livingston for Golden State as he was plus 12, where Durant was plus 8, Green plus 3, and Thompson plus 1. So not... The plus-minus night you may have wanted, but a win is a win for them. Sean Livingston had eight points, a rebound, 
and an assist on the night. Uh, Durant went 8 of 19 from the field, where Clay Thompson went 11 from 22, shooting 50% from the field, including, but he only went 1 of 5 from 3, and Durant went 1 of 8 from 3. If I would have told you Golden State would only make three three-pointers in the whole game, did you think that they would win? Me personally, I would never think Golden State could win on five three-pointers total. I think, uh, let me look here, the, the, stati- the stat line here, they had two from Green, one from Thompson, one from Iguodala, and one from Durant to go a just awful 18% from three. But they still get the win. Uh, on the San Antonio side of things, well, Marcus Aldridge had 30 with 12 rebounds. Patty Mills had 18, five rebounds. Ginobili and Kyle Anderson both had 10. Uh, disappointing night for Danny Green. No points on 15 minutes. Rudy Gay had nine. Uh, on the plus-minus line, Danny Green was minus 10. Uh, Murray was minus 10. Aldridge was minus three. Gay minus two. Uh, just not a good night for them at, at all. They had seven three-pointers on 30 attempts. And I have a call now. Let me answer this. Hello, caller. You are on the air with Wide Men Can't Jump. Yes, this is Tom Moore. How are you? Yes, Tom Moore. Thank you for joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. I am Nate. I am hosting. Right now, I am TRless. Uh, he was the one that got in touch with you uh, about coming on the show. He has gotten tied up this evening. So, But welcome on the show. I'm glad you're here. We're talking a little 76ers, if that's all right with you. Fine with me, Nate. All right. So the 76ers clinched yesterday against the Miami Heat. They win 4 to 1. Uh first time the Sixers reached the second round since 2012. What was the key do you think for these this 76ers team to get to the second round again? Yeah, I think they kind of had to keep their poise. Um uh the Heat, you know, took a very physical uh and aggressive approach kind of get on, you know, trying to get under the Sixers skin, especially Ben Simmons. And I think they kind of had to, you know, it was almost like a rite of passage or an initiation to kind of how to handle it. And uh, the Sixers really struggled uh, during the first half of the season um, down the stretch of games. And they outscored the, uh, they outscored um, the heat uh, by, I believe it was 84 points in the second half in this series. So, they kind of wore the heat down and the heat kind of hung with them as long as they could. And just too many scores and, um, you know, uh, too much, you know, for Miami. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I thought they would win. I picked them in seven, but I thought, I really thought that they would split in Miami. Um, and I thought it would come home, you know, be a best of three series and be very interesting. But, you know, Sixers won a couple games where they did not shoot well from three games, four and games six. Uh, five um, game four, they uh, had 27 turnovers and bead was, I think two for 13 Sarge struggled. Um, so they were able to kind of gut out a couple games, uh, you know, where uh, I think it bodes well going forward that there's going to be those types of uh, uh, ugly uh, grinded out games that you need to win. If you're going to keep advancing in the playoffs. Yeah, you got to learn how to win games in the playoffs if you can, um, 
you got to try and, and win those games where it's going to be ugly. You're not going to have the best shooting night, but if you can still pull out those wins, that will make things a lot easier on you going forward. Um, looking at the stat line last night, J.J. Redick had five three-pointers. Now, believe it or not, J.J. Redick, with five three-pointers, actually tied the entire Golden State Warriors team last night in three-point shots made. Um, how big has he been since coming over in the offseason? Because it was said on his own podcast that he talked with Brian Colangelo and that um, he was leaning towards Minnesota, but Colangelo Sweet talked him into Philly. How big has he been for the Sixers this season? Yeah, I mean, he led them in scoring in that series, averaged 24.4 points, um, had a monster game uh, uh, in the closeout game. Uh, I believe it was 27, and yeah, yeah. 27. You know, he also he he also really helped with Simmons on the one play where um, Drogic kind of whacked him in the head, and that was the one time that Simmons really looked like he was annoyed um, with the you know the physical kind of WWE type antics, and <laughs> Reddick walked him to the other end of the court to kind of calm him down because you know trying to get under your skin, trying to make him do something where he could get a technical or get ejected, possibly get, you know, suspended. At least that sort of seemed to be the perception of what was going on. Uh, and he didn't just hit threes. You know, he he uh, he made some 18-footers. He drove to the basket. Uh, you know, he really helped them. I mean, I saw somebody on Twitter said that, you know, he was worth every penny of that $23 million, you know, the one-year deal that he signed. Um, but I think the value – he's never missed the playoffs. Um in 13 years in the league. And I think on this team where, you know, so many guys hadn't made it and I checked Ilyasova, you know, for as long as he's been in the league, he had never won a playoff series either. So they don't have a lot of guys with playoff success. Bellinelli did obviously when he was with the Spurs, but you know, they don't have a, a lot of guys that experienced a lot of success and played, you know, key roles on teams that were able to advance. So I think his value is, kind of across the board, you know, obviously given the perimeter threat, keeping defenders uh, honest, helping create space for Embiid, but then, you know, leadership and kind of um, mentoring some of these younger guys that it's, it's all brand new for them. Yeah. I mean, and you see that Embiid only played 29 minutes last night, still had a double double and JJ Redick, um, his value to the Sixers is, Really, it, it's hard to say, and I actually didn't know that stat about him making the playoffs every single year he's been in the league. The dude is just a winner, and he brings that culture with him wherever he goes, whether he was at Duke or whether he's in the NBA on the Clippers or wherever he goes. He is a winner, and he has been invaluable to this team. And the addition of Ilyasova and Bellinelli to this squad on the show, TR and I have said that it is very important that they're there. They give Reddick those breaks he needs whenever, because he's older and he needs those rests um, in the game. He doesn't have to put the whole team on his back with those two veteran presences there on the team. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, also with that second unit, um, they give Brett Brown some experience. Um, you know, Bell, they can score. Um, uh, Bellinelli, you know, takes him, uh, he's like the master of the off balance, leaning one way three pointer. Um, and Ilyasova's value as a stretch four with Embiid, um, the last two games, Sarge, you know, did not play as well. And you, you saw Ilyasova, you know, playing a bigger role. He draws charges. Um, 
And Brown used him as a backup five at times. They went with a, you know, instead of bringing Amir Johnson in, I mean, he did play in the first half, but instead of playing him as much in the second half, uh, Brown relied on Ilyasov and Sarich at the four and the five. I, I mean, they're not shot blockers, but it, it allows you with Ben Simmons or McConnell, who, you know, whoever's in, you know, to have four shooters out there um, really spread the floor and uh, helps, cr- you know, create, uh, you know, plenty of open looks for the Sixers. You know, another thing uh, I thought that was really interesting and you may or may not know is the Sixers did not lead at halftime in any of the five games against the Heat. They trailed wow. in the first four and they were, they were tied last night. I wasn't sure. And I looked it up and, and I asked one of the Miami writers to see. So, you know, they weren't usually far behind, but, you know, generally that's not a recipe for, you know, for success when you're always playing catch up. It, 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 you don't have as much a margin for error. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And, you know, in a five game series, that's pretty unusual um, that the winning team, you know, never led at halftime. Yeah. that That's something I've not heard of either, or at least something that you don't hear of often. Um, to hear of a, especially a young team like that, that is really built with a very young core in Simmons and Bede, Fultz, uh, guys like that. And to come from behind in every single game, which shows they have fight in them. And I think Brett Brown is to attribute to that, especially after his uh, chocolate milk, milk bath he got last night. Um, I don't know if you happened to be there for that, but uh, apparently Brett Brown loved no, we were chocolate not. That milk. Was, the locker room was closed at that point. But, yeah, I saw the video that the Sixers, you know, put out. It's was, it was interesting. You can see how much they really like each other. And another thing I thought that was really interesting, Nate, was when there would be scrums or skirmishes, the Sixers players would always go to their teammates and support them or help them or whatever. I did not see that to the same degree with Miami, which I think is an indication of how, um, you know, how tight the Sixers are and how much they, they all really like each other. Yeah. And and that shows on the court as they perform in day in and day out. And I know at the beginning of the season, they were kind of looked at as maybe they're not there yet. They've got good pieces. Maybe they can get there. Uh, the uh, the additions at the All-Star break really make him look good. And then Fultz comes back, which, granted, he didn't play last night. But I, I do want to get to that in a second, if that's okay, if you have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But those off-season additions have really been key, or not off-season per se, but the All-Star break additions have been key to what they can do now. And it seems like at one point they were – Tenth, the tenth seed, and that was getting close to the end of December. And right now, if you ask me or maybe anybody else, they may be the favorite to get to the NBA Finals this year with this squad. Have they overachieved based on what was expected? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I picked them thirty-eight to forty wins. Um, and if you would tell me that they win fifty-two games with Markel Fultz playing. I believe it was 12 games. It was four games, the first four games in October and the last eight games. Um, yeah. You know, I would say no way because you figured he was a, certainly a core player, if not a starter, a regular off the bench. But And to go from 28 wins last year to 52 wins, it's like J.J. Redick said after the game last night, the Sixers, he, he said about four times they've had to re, reset their goals versus we want to make the playoffs. Then we want to um, – get, you know, win 50 games. Then we want to get home court advantage. Then we want to get a top three seed. 
and we, you know, we want to win a round. And he said, we're, you know, we're kind of still hungry and we still, you still feel like we have work to do. And, you know, with the East, the way it is, especially with the Kyrie Irving injury, uh, you know, the next round you would think whether it's the Celtics or the Bucks, which the Sixers could know as soon as tomorrow night if Boston wins, um, you know, that, you know, the Sixers certainly have a chance to win that. Now, I think, um, I think the Raptors could be a, a very, you know, could be a very tough test with the two experienced guards. Um, and, you know, Pacers are right now down, uh, I believe it's seven at the half. I mean, the Pacers are up seven at the half over the Cavaliers. I think the Cavaliers would still be formidable if they can get through this round, um, you know, and, adv- and advance if they can beat the Raptors, which I'm not sure they can. But there's not a Golden State uh you know, or Houston in the Eastern Conference right now. So I understand it does seem like it's kind of asking for a lot or expecting a lot, but the more you see and the more, uh, you know, the way they've handled things, and I, don't, I know they say the playoffs get more physical as it goes on, but I don't know too many teams are going to be more physical than the Heat were, and the Sixers, you know, handled it very well. I thought the, the Sixers did handle it well, and it seemed like, the that veteran presence like Reddick that you spoke of earlier when they would get fired up and you know young guys have a tendency to be more play with their heart on their sleeve and use their emotions they calm themselves down you know even in bead when uh i believe it was justice winslow stepped on his mask and tried to break it and he just come back and said he doesn't know that i have about 20 of those things or even more than that yeah right um yeah. they handled that so well and Miami's a team there they don't really have that superstar. I mean, Hassan Whiteside even, uh, they're paying him all that money. They're paying him superstar money, but he's not playing like it. And they really, nobody really stood out last night. You know, they had a couple of role players step up. Um, but we interviewed a guy named Al from Miami Heat Beat. He said Kelly Olenek's probably their best player in terms of what he can do. And the, the Sixers did well with him. Uh, TJ McConnell. Um, he is a show favorite. He's a guy that we love. Uh, we love the way he plays, his energy, his effort, what he can do on the court. Um, how big is he for the Sixers team, especially going into the second round against either Boston or Milwaukee? Well, the last uh, t- you know two games, he got the backup point guard minutes. Fultz did not play. And really, other than game one, um, Fultz played single-digit minutes in game two and game three. He just could not handle um, the physical nature and, and really was ineffective. Um, couldn't get to the basket. His shot looked like it regressed a little bit, whether it was pressure or, or you know, the moment or whatever. So I don't blame Brett Brown for doing that. But if you think last night they were up, uh, I, I believe it was 11 when Simmons got his fourth foul a little over five minutes to go in the third quarter. And you're thinking, hmm. And, uh, brought McConnell in and they were up, I believe it was 14 at the end of the, at the end of the third quarter. So the lead grew, you know, with McConnell in there, um, you know, spreading the ball. Cause that was, that was a very um, important moment because if they could, you know, if they could have cut it down to six or whatever, by the end of the quarter uh, going into the fourth period, you know, they'd be in pretty good shape. Um, so yeah, he, he, he just brings sort of that, that grittiness and that, um, he kind of leads by example, and he he does the diving on the floor and so on. And it seems like um, it sort of becomes infectious, and his teammates um, sort of you know are obligated to to kind of do it too. And also, 
to when he pushes the ball, he makes them go with him. Um, so yes, um, he, you know he. I would assume Foles, Foles will get a look early on in the next series at least. But if he's not effective, I don't think Brown would hesitate to make McConnell the primary uh, backup point again. Yeah, and like I said, he's a, he's a show favorite. He's a guy that we hear on on Wide Men Can't Jump. We love him. We we love his effort and the play he plays. He's a coach's son. He's going to go out there and he's basically he he reminds me of a guy that's playing for his job. And it's like they told him in the back, if you don't go out and give a hundred percent effort, then you're going to be looking for a job somewhere else. And he loves what he's doing in Philly. Um, I won't hold you much longer. I know you, you're a busy man. Um, and you addressed the faults thing without even me asking, but uh, Dario Saric, he's kind of the wild card on this Sixers team. He played uh, 22 minutes last night, 22 and a half. He had eight points, five rebounds, five assists, only finished at plus three, if you believe in the plus minus, only two of nine shooting from the field. But still, he is effective for the Sixers and what he does, even in this 13-point win. What does he got to do going forward in uh, game in, excuse me, in the second round when he takes on either the Bucks or plays against the Celtics? Because he's going to have a tough job, whether it's guarding Giannis and Antetokounmpo, or if he has to deal with uh, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, what does he have to do on defense and offense to keep the Sixers yeah, de- um, in those games? Uh, he struggles with the quicker fours. Um, the foot speed is not his biggest strength, as a, whether he's a four, a, you know, typically at a four. If he is defending Antetokounmpo, they're in big trouble. Uh, the only, you know, the, the the Bucks may try to you know, run uh, screen and roll or some pick and roll, whatever, and try to get him on a switch on Anatokounmpo, uh, the Greek freak, um, which would be a problem uh, for the Sixers. But, yeah, I mean, he, he had 20-plus points in each of the first three games in the series. Um, it was four for 13 in game four, missed his first five shots last night. You know, uh, four of them were three-pointers. But then he was kind of able to get his act together. His three-point shooting has been a lot better this year, and it's really helped. Um, because the most viable, the most viable uh, guy next to Embiid is a stretch four who can stand out and shoot threes and help create space, so they can't double team him. Um, so yes, he's clearly um, an important part. That rotation with him and Ilyasova has been really effective at power forward. Okay, well, one more question, and I promise this is it, and I'll let you go. And, again, I want to thank you for coming on. And whenever you answer this one, go ahead and uh, I want to let my audience know or um, where they can find you and keep up with you. And you've been a great guest, and I appreciate it very much. Um, sorry I couldn't get Tom on. He's been tied up with some issues. I don't know exactly what he, he didn't go into detail. But uh, next time you're on, we'll definitely have him on so you guys can talk. Um, what do you think about the process, the Sam Hinky process? Do you Are you a believer in it? Do you trust the process, as they say, or are you one of those, like, um, some others on this show who more give credit to Colangelo and people like that for making w- this team work. Do you have a one feeling one way or another? Yeah, I mean, I, I think both deserve credit. I think you have to look that that the two biggest pieces they have are really three, if you want to argue, certainly Embiid and Simmons, and if you want to make Sarge the third, and they were all because of, you know, what Hinky did, Um so long-term, big, you know, big picture, you, you have to give Hinky credit for that and for the patience and for be for willing to, to be uh, 
to be uh, 47 and 199, which was their record for the first three years, which was one game off the worst three-year record in NBA history. But Colangelo, the one-year deal to Redick was, you know, gave him a ton of money, but for one year maintaining that cap flexibility and the Bellinelli, you know, getting Bellinelli and Ilias over for nothing have been really, really significant and been difference makers and helped put them over the top in their quest to, you know, get a, get home court and, um, you know, win around and potentially go deeper into the, uh, into the conference, you know, into the conference playoffs, if not even uh, to the conference finals. So I think they, they both deserve credit, but I think with, you know, I think it's interesting because depending on what happens, let's say they can't get uh, LeBron doesn't come here and Paul George doesn't come here. They could choose to kind of bring, you know, get, keep the band together and try to re-sign if they would do it, Redick, Ilyasova, and Bellinelli to one-year deals, use their available cap space to do that. And then next summer, go after um, next summer, they would go after Clay Thompson, who'll be a free agent or uh, Kawhi Leonard, who would be a free agent, even if he gets traded this year. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And I think long-term, he wants to maintain that cap flexibility. Next summer is when you have to make your move. You have to, because the following summer in 2020 is when Simmons and Sarge are going to be due contract extensions. And Embiid's $25 million is kicking in. So the, um, the uh, cap space is going to disappear. So then, then you have to have everybody here and you just re-sign your own guy. So they need to get an, an, a difference maker, a scorer, a, a star, if you will, to you know theoretically take them over the top. Well, Tom, thank you very much for jumping on with us. Uh, go ahead and, and let our listeners know how they can keep up with you, whether it be on Twitter or elsewhere. Sure. Um, on Twitter, at Tom Moore Philly. That's the best way I do for four more in a minute videos a week. And I also do a weekly more Philly podcast, uh, usually every Wednesday or Thursday. And you can access all that stuff through at my Twitter account at Tom Moore Philly or Bucks County Courier times.com slash sports. Well, thank you for being so gracious with your time and jumping on our show here. And we appreciate it. And we hope to have you back on very soon because we cover the Sixers a lot and we can always use more context. Thank you, Tom. All right, sure. Thank you, Nate. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that was Tom Moore covering for the Bucks County Courier. For He's been covering the Sixers for 30 years. What kind of insight can you get on the 76ers better than that? Not many. So, Tom Moore, check him out. Shoot him some love. Follow him on Twitter. Listen to his podcast. And, of course, listen to our podcast. we got our whole family of podcasts going on over here. Not only have do we have Wide Men Can't Score, which is the best damn hockey show you'll ever listen to. I know nothing about hockey, and this show keeps me intrigued. So go download Wide Men Can't Score. Our buddy Tim, he's up to, uh, I think he's up to eight episodes now, the Crazy Eight, Ocho, whatever you want to call it. He's up to eight episodes now on Wide Men Can't Score, keeping you up to date with all the hockey news in the world. Uh, the Tim and Tom Show, uh, Tom and Tim get on, and they go as politically incorrect as you can go and talk about famous stories, celebrities, anything you can think of. They talk about it on there. That normally drops on Thursday night, Friday morning, somewhere in that range, so keep an eye out for that one. Of course, the flagship program is here on Wednesdays, every Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time if you want to listen live. Um, also, 
we have um, the Sunday night roundtable, which is usually Sunday night, uh, where we all three get on the same program and we just talk a little bit. Uh, this week we released a special NFL draft countdown. We picked all 32 picks in the first round of the NFL draft. Myself, Tim, TR, and our special guest, Thomas Bain, NFL draft expert, joined us and told us every reason in the world why he thinks his picks should be the picks they are. And ladies and gentlemen, this guy knows more about the NFL draft than Mel Kuyper. He goes into more detail than any person I've ever met and does a seven round mock draft yearly. So check out that episode. It was, I thought it was pretty good. Entertaining. If you like the NFL as well as the basketball show, check it out. Um, I don't normally do this, but right now I'm going to throw it out there. We're live. I'm going to talk some more basketball, but I'm live right now. If you're listening live, give me a call. 1-323-657-1438. Give me a call, and if you want to talk a little basketball, we'll talk a little basketball because uh, we don't get to do this very often. So let's dive into another series that has been going on, my Minnesota Timberwolves, Tisk, Tisk tisk the timberwolves i love them and i hate them at the same time no, i'm kidding i love my timberwolves but on monday night 119 to 100 lost to the rockets james harden puts up 22 in the third quarter 36 altogether paul had 25 gordon had 18 capella had 14 ariza had 15 you just can't beat a team that does that they put up 50 points ladies and gentlemen 50 points in a quarter the third quarter of the game was one-point difference. A one-point difference at halftime, 50-49. to 49. At the end of the third quarter, the Rockets hit 100. They scored 50 points, including going 27-5 to five run in the third, and that was all she wrote for Minnesota. They had no chance. Um... If you're a plus-minus fan, Ariza at plus 23, Nene at plus 19, Harden at plus 21, Paul plus 11. But here's the one that'll get you. P.J. Tucker leads the plus-minus with plus 26, and he was everywhere for the Rockets. That is, He is the key to this team. With them losing Lukashad and Bamute, P.J. Tucker is the key to making the Rockets run well. Because without him, they're useless. Because his defense, I wouldn't say useless, I shouldn't say useless, but the, his defense gives the Rockets more flexibility on help side defense. He opens up, a he can shoot, he opens up, stretches the floor, gives hard room to work, and he can knock down an open jump shot to where you have to respect him. Tucker finished with only three points, four rebounds. But man, at a plus 26 with his defensive capability, that's an impressive stat if I've ever seen an impressive stat from P.J. Tucker. And this is a guy Houston traded for. Some people probably don't even know who he is. They just scoff at it a little bit. Like, eh, you know, it's whatever. No, that was a big move to bring him in. And he played 24 minutes and finished at plus 26. So P.J. Tucker really played well. Of course, Harden was unconscious. He went. He started off 0 of 7 from the floor. So Harden misses his first seven shots. And then just unconscious from there on out. Uh, he goes 12 of 19 after that. He shot 46% from the field, 
Didn't miss a free throw. Five of 11 from three. Just insane numbers that Harden put up against the Wolves the other night. And there was really nothing Minnesota could do about it as they tried mightily at home. And they just took the crowd out of it in the third quarter. Not a lot they could do. Um, If you follow us on Twitter, I complained a little bit because there was quite a bit of defensive three seconds in that game that was not getting called. The Rockets kind of camped in the lane a little bit. And they're known to do that. They really are. They're a team that they camp in the lane from time to time. If you can get away with it, why wouldn't you? You know, they were there in the lane. Um, They do a weak help side on Towns, which slowed him down. You know, he still had a good night. He uh, Towns finished with 22 and 15. Wiggins had 14 and 3. But Wiggins had a, a rough night shooting going 5 of 14. Um, only 19 for Butler. Taj Gibson only had two. Uh, Jeff Teague only had two. Uh, Derrick Rose off the bench has been big for the Wolves this entire series. Derrick Rose has had – he had 17 and 6 and four assists on top of that. Actually finished at plus 7 in the plus minus – or excuse me, plus 6. Bialicia, the only guy other than Rose and Crawford to finish in the plus – on the plus minus. Uh, Crawford and Rose both finished at plus 6. Bialicia finishes at the plus 7. Everyone else in the negative, so not good for the Wolves on that occasion. Um, The Wolves and the Rockets play tonight in Houston. Um, Most realistic Wolves fans are going to look at this as maybe the the final game of the season. It's hard not to. Unless some magic happens, their backs are against the wall, they got to come out swinging, they got nothing to lose. If they can force game six in Minnesota, they have a chance. But to beat the Rockets, who may not have lost three straight all year, to beat them three straight games, near impossible. It's going to be hard to do. It's not impossible, but it's going to be tough. I don't know if the Wolves can pull it off. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. So... Stay tuned to that as the Wolves take on the Rockets tonight. If the Rockets don't finish it in Houston tonight, the Wolves will have another opportunity in a couple days in Minneapolis. Um, They play pretty well at home. They have not won in Houston, I think, all year. They've only beat the Rockets once, and that was in game three. So going to be tough atmosphere for them. We'll see what they can do. And uh, on my end here, go Wolves. That's all I can really say. All right, let's dive into the Thunder and the Jazz. And again, if you're listening, give me a call. If it's if you're listening live, one three two three six five seven one four three eight. If you want to talk a little basketball, as I'm flying solo right now, Tr tied up with some personal issues that he has to take care of. And hey, that's what we do. And got to take care of yourself, folks. So. But TR will be, hopefully, if he gets free, he will be joining me this evening ASAP. It's just a matter of when. All right. The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz. Uh, Game four was Monday night. Paul George had 32. He has really stepped up here in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook had 23 and 14. Um, Only three assists, though. And Paul George played 39 minutes in this playoff game. And Westbrook had almost 36 minutes. Carmelo Anthony had 36 minutes. But Melo only had 11 points. 
in the game. And that's that's odd for Mel. He went 5 of 18 from shooting. Here's the question. Carmelo Anthony is a fantastic USA basketball player. Maybe one of the best Olympic ball players you'll ever see due to hit the way he plays. He's an ISO player. He's a guy that's going to slow the ball down. When he gets the ball, he's going to stay and try to ISO on his man. They're going to move four guys on the other side of the court and let Melo go to work. In the NBA, that's not a system that's going to work every time. Granted, Melo's a guy that's – he's one of those that he's a scorer. He's not good. He's not great on defense. Um, and he's starting to get into the backside of his career. The only thing is Carmelo Anthony, as an ISO player, has got to make his shots. When you go 5 of 18, you're not making enough shots. Melo ends up finishing, uh, let me look at the stat line here, 27% from the field and 0 of 6 from 3. You can't do that and win games. It's not going to happen. Uh, no assists, one steal, a couple blocks, though. That was that was big for, big for them. Uh, but, yeah, you can't shoot 27.8% from the field and win basketball games, especially when you're one of the league's elite scorers like Carmelo Anthony. And he did not do that to not do that on Monday, and the Jazz ran away with it. One thirteen, two ninety six. Uh, Abrinas scores ten, and he uh, had a decent game. Jeremy Grant only had six. Just not a lot from from this Thunder team. They're so top heavy with George Anthony and <laughs> George Anthony. Yeah, there you go. How about that for you, George Anthony, ladies and gentlemen. But 32 from Paul George, 11 from Carmelo, and 23 from Westbrook. Uh, Patrick Patterson had no points. Corey Brewer had three. Steven Adams had nine and seven in 35 minutes of play. They have really just shut him down. Rudy Gobert has made him next to a non-factor. He was minus 19 in the plus minus. That's odd from Steven Adams, folks. Steven Adams is a good big man. He's not a superstar big man, but he's he's the kind of guy that's going to get in and go to work. And Rudy Gobert has stopped him. He has no, they have no answer for Rudy Gobert. Uh, Raymond Felton had two points. Just not a lot of help for the three stars. You know, you have your three stars are combining for what would this be? Thirty-two, eleven, and twenty-three. Other than six, eight, eighteen, twenty-seven. 30, uh, 38, 40, 41 points of your 96. Other than 41 points of your 96, you have three guys contributing, and Melo only had 11. So you got three guys, two guys putting up 55 points. That's not going to get it done. Not in this NBA. Maybe, maybe years ago, not this league. Not going to happen. You have to distribute the ball. You got to have a bench. That's why the Toronto Raptors are the number one seed in the East. They have a bench. The Thunder are lacking on the bench, and this could lead to the firing of Billy Donovan if if he's not careful. You have this on paper, they say, this three-man talent of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I have a call. Hello, you're live on Wide Men Can't Jump. Hey, Nathan. How are you? Been a long Good, time how are you? I've listened to you the last couple of years. Oh, well, thank Jeff. You. What's up, Jeff? I just watched the Cavs and Pacers game. Uh, the Pacers were down, or I'm sorry, the Cavs were down seven uh, at the half, but uh, they've opened up the uh, half or the third quarter on a 
seventeen to three run. Well, that's big coming out of Cleveland, uh, as they really need this game in a bad way. Uh, they're up sixty six to fifty nine, according to what I've got right now. So uh, I'm looking. I'm not able to watch the game while I'm doing the show at the moment. However, I am able to look at the box scores, and uh, as no surprise. LeBron James has picked up the Cavs and put him on his back. Has he been doing a lot of that in the third quarter? Yes, yes. He just, uh, they just, uh, Indiana had to call a timeout. Uh, said they've only scored three points. There's a little over six, it's about six and change left. And uh, Indiana scored three points while the Cavs have scored 17. And as you say, LeBron's been the biggest reason because of that, you know. Well, Jeff, I'm glad you called in. Uh, my uh, co host is, uh, He's not with me right now. He had some personal issues, and he's taking care of that. So it's just been me here. I had a guest earlier, but I'm glad you jumped on with me. Um, so the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and the Indiana Pacers, is that the series that really interests you here in the playoffs, or is there another series that you're looking at? Well, I, th- I think this year, uh, well, the semifinals, I think, are going to be really, really good. And in and, and, and saying that, the you know, the quarterfinals are still uh, – there's still some series left that, uh, you know, I think they can go seven games. I believe the uh, uh, this series can go seven games. Uh, yeah, very easily. Very easily. Uh, um, I believe Milwaukee is going to send it to a seventh game, and you don't, and you know, you know what can happen in seven games. You never know. Uh, oh, that's right. And then uh, the Wizards. Uh, uh, you know they match up well against Toronto. I don't. I just. I know Toronto won the one seed and they have some solid players, but it just doesn't feel. You know, we know who the, we feel like the favorites are. I believe. I mean, I do. I think. I believe it's going. To, Cavs will win this series, and I think the it's going to be the Sixers and Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Myself, not to take anything away from Boston or Milwaukee if they win. I just believe that they're Embiid's going to have a good rest and. Uh, you know, here where they was able to clinch that against the Heat in five games, I think that was really important for him. And I just think they're playing really well right now. And uh, who knows, it could be the 76ers in the finals this year. That's very possible. And we've been talking, I talked to Tom Moore earlier from um, the Bucks County Courier. He's been covering the 76ers for 30 years. And the Sixers right now are the hottest team in the NBA. You know, they've won 19 out of their last 20. And they're really clicking on all cylinders. They've got a lot of talent surrounded by good veteran leadership. Um, Here's the thing about Toronto. You brought up Toronto doesn't really look like the one seed. Um, The Wizards may be the scariest eight seed I've ever seen. Because the (laughs) Wizards didn't have John Wall going down um, towards the end of the season. Without John Wall, the Wizards don't really work as a, a lineup. Because Wall is the facilitator. He's the guy that's got to ISO. He's the guy that's got to kick it to Beal. He's the guy that's got to make shots for Porter. He's the guy that's going to find guys like Marcin Gortat. And there's just a lot of on that team, including like Kelly Oubre, Marcus Morris, Iman Mahini, and then they added Ty Lawson there. They signed him out of nowhere, and Lawson's been giving them some decent minutes off the bench. You're right. You're right. He was, so, I think the one game he was their best player. Yeah, like he he's had a good series, and – you know, that's the thing with the, the two eight seeds this year in both divisions were plagued by injury. Now, the, the Timberwolves, my beloved Minnesota Timberwolves, are just outmanned. The Houston Rockets are that good. 
They're as good as advertised. But the Toronto Raptors, they went up 2-0 early in the series, and then they could not get a win in Washington. That was big. If if they steal one of those games in Washington, I think they make it more of a series uh, or more of a clincher. But now we've got a good series going on here, and 78-78 right now, 10 seconds left in the third. That game is on NBA TV. Wall's got 22, Bill with 17, and, you know, contribute contributions from everybody. Uh, whereas Toronto, they're relying on DeRozan and Lowry. DeRozan has 30, not even in the fourth quarter yet. He's really just stepped up this year and became yeah, – yeah. He, he's just he's, – he's showing why he needs to be considered one of the top ten players in the league. His plus-minus stats right now, he is at minus two, but 30 points and – Lowry's got 15 with nine assists. He's flirting with a double-double, whereas the next closest score would be Jonas Valanciunas, and he's got eight. So that shows you the Raptors are the deepest team in the league when it comes to bench play, and they're just not getting a lot of production out of their bench this series, and that's where they're, that's what's hurting them. Uh, right. They got uh, Seacom, who comes off the bench and plays decently for them. They get a lot of help from Paletel. Jakob Paletel, he's a good big man, backs up Unis. Ibaka has been key in this series, and he's having a rough night. Anytime Ibaka has a bad night, the Raptors struggle. They re- he is the key to this team. DeRozan may be the flashy scorer and the points guy, but Ibaka is the key to the Toronto Raptors. Um, I'd have, I'd so that's have to agree the, with that. Yeah. There's always that X factor on every team that, that is the key to what makes them click. And if they have a good night, you'll always notice that they get a W. And Ibaka's that guy for the Raptors. Um, so that one's going to go at least one more game. We don't know when or where. Really? <laughs> we don't know if it'll go seven, but it could this go out tonight. They'd have a, I mean, they're going to be going back to Washington with a chance to clinch it. I mean, and Toronto doesn't play well there. No. Not a lot of people play well there. Washington, uh, they have a really good basketball environment. Um Especially for a city that um, they have a really good baseball team this year, from what I've heard. I don't really follow the game. Um, they have an excellent hockey team, as our our host Tim on the hockey show will tell you. The Capitals are usually a pretty solid hockey team. Um, but they have a good NBA squad, and they were one of those teams. They get, they got the lottery. They won the lottery. They get Wall, and they just started building. And I think an eight seed is a uh, – Really underestimating them, if I can say that. Yeah. Well, I know that the the New York Knicks in 1999 they were eight seed and they were they were better. They had better talent on what their record showed because that year was kind of awkward year in the NBA because that was the, the lockout year where they just played 50 games, and it was kind of hard to call them an eight seed as well. And they ended up making it to the finals and actually even beat the Spurs in one game when Ewing was hurt. But uh, I mean. I agree that they're they're better than what their record shows because Wall was out for a while, just like Jimmy Butler. You know, he was out for yeah a while, and his, you know, they could have easily been a three or four seed uh, instead of the eight seed. You know, so if he stays yeah. healthy that second half, so In, injuries uh, this year have have really been interesting on all counts. Like if you look, I think if Irving is healthy and Marcus Smart stays a hundred percent, even without Gordon Hayward, I think the Celtics with Kyrie Irving, are the favorite to go to the finals. That's how good Kyrie Irving is to that team. Um, if they have Gordon Hayward, it's no question this season. Oh, yeah. Um, 
just like I don't think the Spurs get lose to the, I don't think the Spurs fall to seven if they have Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard plays any at all, I don't think they uh I don't think they lose to the Warriors. I think the Spurs could have made a really good run this year with we Kawhi see what Leonard. Happened last year. They when he got hurt they had a big lead and then they blew yeah. that. I mean they could have easily at least made that a good really good series. Or they would have won that game, I know. Uh, yeah, that he got that, hurt in. That so goon. They had a big 20-point lead, but yeah, yeah. The goon, Zaza Pachulia, as my co-host of TR calls him, Zsa Gabor, had to come in and just wreck everything for the, for the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, he really did remind me of that, uh, the way he played. Um, <laughs> Bill Lambeer, man, what a name. What a bring-up from the past there. But uh, <laughs> let's see, we got – Got some more series we can talk about. The Pelicans and the Blazers. The Pelicans with the sweep there. Um, we I talked about Oklahoma City and Utah. I talked a, a little bit about Minnesota and Houston. Um, one I haven't dived into is the Bucks and the Celtics. So let's take a look at that one. Jeff. Since you're on here, Jeff, you can play co-host for a few minutes. How about that? All right, cool. <laughs> All right. All right, living the dream, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> so the Celtics and the Bucks played on Tuesday last night. If you're listening live, um, Al Horford was the big man for the, the Celtics. He had 22 and 14. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had been the two guys the Celtics had been hitching their wagon to, but Horford had a big night last night. Finishes at plus four and the plus minus 22 points, 14 rebounds, three assists. Two blocks goes seven of fifteen from the field, um, and just had a really really good night for himself. Uh, Terry Rozier though, got to sing his praises. Sixteen points, five assists, three rebounds for him. Um, he's really stepped up and took Kyrie. I wouldn't say he's taking his place, but he's really stepped in and filled in well for Kyrie Irving while he's been hurt. And they've had some good minutes out of Marcus Smart last night, who's back playing, and uh, Shane Larkin had some minutes as well. Uh, what do you think on the Celtics? What do you think about them? Well, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I think, you know, potentially they, they're probably going to win this series. I mean, with the, the odds are they are because they're up 3-2. to two. And I do think Milwaukee will send it back to Boston. I just don't see Milwaukee winning in Boston. Uh, saying that, Boston is going to play. Uh, they're going to play probably – uh, well, they're the two seeds, so they'll have to play Philadelphia. And uh, you know, I, I think the 76ers will win that series if it if it's Boston or Milwaukee. But Boston, like you said, some guys have stepped up. They play feisty. I mean, they're going to make you work for it. They're going to make the 76ers work for it. Uh, I can see. I, I believe the 76ers will win that series in six games. But um, as you said, those guys have stepped up. Uh, Tatum. I mean. Uh, he's really grown up. I mean, I mean, he was a rookie, and he came out on the scene as uh, somebody they said was going to play a lot of minutes. And uh, he's, I mean, he's playing more than he's. Uh, he's playing like he's uh, a veteran. Okay, he's not. I don't think he's yeah. a rookie. He doesn't care to take the the shot either down the stretch. I mean, I watched a few games. He, I mean, he missed a shot to win the game. I can't remember who they were playing. It was late in the year. Uh, two games later, he took the shot again. <laughs> I mean, he's not scared <laughs> to throw it, you know. 
take the uh, shot at the end of the year and at the end of the game, and then he has to uh, because, as you say, Irving's out, and you know Hayward's been out since the first game. But um, I believe whoever I mean, they're, if they make it, they're going. It's going to be a really good series, and uh, I kind of think that if Washington would somehow make it past Toronto and Cleveland makes it, that Washington historically has played well against Cleveland, and uh, they could be. Uh, I think they could pose matchup problems for Cleveland, not saying that they're going to beat them, but I think every series is going to be really good, at least go six, seven games. And uh, just to talk about LeBron there for a second, as you were saying, um, uh, they have scored 66 points there a while ago, and he already had scored 30 points. He was 12 of 15. The rest of his team was 12 of 37 at that point. Uh, they're up seven now, so they've opened up the. I mean, the the third quarter they've outscored the Pacers twenty-four to uh, ten. When I wouldn't count the Pacers six. out. I wouldn't count the Pacers out because Old Depot's having a rough night. Uh, yeah. But you never know because Sabonis is their leading scorer right now with fourteen. Thaddeus Young has twelve, but they're such a balanced team. Is Indiana? Uh, that game could go either way, so who knows. Um, one thing I will say, though, going back to uh, the Celtics, uh, you're right about Brown and, and Tatum. They're just that, That's a tandem. Two years in a row, Danny Ainge gets a couple steals in the draft. Not only does he trade to get out of the first position to the Sixers and gets Jason Tatum, arguably the best player in the draft, then, then he gets the steal – the year before, he gets Jalen Brown. It's like, right. and, and that was a guy that nobody really had on their radar as high as he did. He grabs him, and look what Jalen Brown's turned into. Danny Ainge is a genius. Right. I, I believe this year, did, is this the last year of the picks from the Pierce trade? Like, did they have the Nets' first-round pick this year, or was that last uh, year? I think they have. I'm not sure. I'm, I know that they, I think they have Philly's pick. This coming okay. year, um, I don't know if they still – they may have traded one of those picks. I'd have to look. Honestly, we haven't dived into the draft picks as of yet because that's still a good ways off. But we'll dive into that eventually and later on. Um, but, yeah, uh, looking like it's going to be a fun series, depending – no matter who wins, because the Greek Freak and the Bucks against the Sixers, um, we talked about the Bucks last week. They are just an undisciplined squad. They are in need of a head coach. They're in need of a guy that's going to put them out there and make them play right and make them play the way they should. Whereas the Celtics are more disciplined. Brad Stevens should should be considered for coach of the year. I don't think he'll win it, but he should be considered. And it's just two different worlds because on paper, with the players hurt from the Celtics, the Bucs should win this series easily. They have a superstar. They have Eric Bledsoe. They have so many players, and they're losing, and they shouldn't be. So it's interesting, interesting way to look at it. Um, what say you, sir? Well, I, I think uh, yesterday that uh, – where was Giannis yesterday, the Greek feet? I mean, uh, he, he didn't have a very good game. And of course, I think that was one reason why uh, Milwaukee didn't – didn't play as well or didn't ultimately didn't win the game. And, well, he is uh, their I horse. His, I, I can't remember his stat line. It was not like – I don't think he got over 20 points. 
Uh, uh, let me see here. Uh, the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo had 16 points, 10 rebounds. Chris Middleton, the big guy for the Bucks, 23 points, 3 rebounds. Eric Bledsoe had 16. And uh, Jabari Parker had 17. Um, no production from from Tyler Zeller. Nothing from uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 2 points. Thon Maker had 2 points. Shabazz Muhammad off the bench in 9 minutes had 11 points. Uh, but hold on just a second. We may have my co-host. Right. It's Wide Men Can't Jump. Hey, there he is. I knew you'd be on here eventually. Taking care of yeah, some business. Gotta, uh, business has been taken yeah, care ahead. of, I think. You've taken care of some business, have you? Yeah, I got to apologize. Did, uh, did Tom call in? And, he um, did. We had a great conversation. Uh, right now on the line with us is a caller, Jeff. He's called in to talk a little NBA hoops with us. Um I kind of put the distress signal out there since you were tied up. I said, hey, let's get somebody to call in, and Jeff has obliged. All right. Uh, um, cool. How are right. you, Jeff? Uh, I was just watching the Cavs and Pacers game here, and uh, they just showed a stat there at the bottom. It said LeBron has scored 13 here in the third, and he's got 33 for the game. And they really have opened up things. Uh, they were down seven at the half, and now they're up ten with two minutes I'm sorry, 12 with two minutes left in the uh, third quarter. So uh, a 19-point swing. Yeah, that's big coming from them moving forward. Um, the Cavs with a was a 10-point advantage. Well, 10 and it was at 80, and they took it back to 78. It's one of those things where if you're the Pacers, this is one game you got to try and get because – I don't think you're going to beat Cleveland in Cleveland in Game Seven. Not something I see happening. Right, and uh, you know this is you know it's a pivotal game. The Cleveland, I mean, it's a must-have for both. Uh, but yeah, you know, more you know, Indiana. I think, like you said, they can win in Indiana, but beating Cleveland, you know, in seven. And that's the thing of uh, we were talking about earlier. A lot of these series, I mean, they're going to go six, seven games. I mean, um, you know. Whoever it is playing the Washington Toronto's in a battle right now as well. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a war in the East. Uh, the semifinals and this series still yet, and still Boston and Milwaukee is uh, still uh, battling. So uh, East is finally maybe they call it. Uh, sometimes in the morning I'll watch uh, before I go to work. I'll watch Skip Bayless. He calls it the Eastern Conference, but uh, they're playing a lot more respectable than I think what people thought they might. Yeah, for sure. Tr, got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree that the um, Skip Bayless talking about the Eastern that, that that held true for a lot of years, but not currently. I think that the the gap has kind of shrunk, and uh, you know the Cavs aren't the powerhouse because of all their um, you know trouble within in house, so to speak, and they flipped it around. But every everybody else is kind of catching up, and uh, I think there's a lot of parity in the NBA this year, especially with Steph Curry's uh, current injury and Kawhi Leonard's year-long injury. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we're going to take a second. Jeff, you got anything you want to add uh, before uh, we uh... 
I was just okay. going to say, uh, I was going to ask if you knew this, and there are a lot of people may not, but uh, who, Okay. Mo- most of the time your one and two and three seeds uh, win the championship, and of course the ones usually win it, but do you know who the only six seed to ever win the championship is, Nathan? Hmm. Hmm. Been one. Only, I'll give you a hint. Only, they were actually the defending champs. Okay. They only six seed. Only six seed. TR, you have any idea on this one? Got a trivia question here. Uh, I'm thinking of it right now. Um, You've been one four seed as well, but there's only been like past five. And as we talked about, Nathan, earlier, the Knicks have won, or they yeah. made it to the finals of the year in the lockout year, but they were better than an eight seed. You know, they just yeah uh, finally got their stuff together there before the playoffs started, and they beat. Yeah, that's happened, floor, that's happened a lot. Teams. That's uh, happened a lot in the NFL, but uh, you know, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't really have that answer. Uh, I can um, throw something out there. If I had to guess, I'm gonna say the Detroit Pistons. I think that's a good guess, but no, uh, Houston Rockets, 1994-95. They were. Oh wow! Okay, did not were, know uh, that. They were. A, they finished sixth. They beat the Jazz, who were. Uh, I believe they were 60-22 and 22 in the three seed. And they were down 2-1 in that series and won. And then the next series, they played the Suns in the semi, Western Conference semis. And they were down 3-1 to one to the Suns, Barkley and Kevin Johnson. And they had to win two games on the road to win that series. Uh, huh. And won by one point at Phoenix in the last game. And then the next series, they beat the Spurs, uh, who were the one seed. So they beat the one, two, and three seed. They beat Robinson. And uh, they were... You know, they were 15 games behind them. And then in the, the finals, they uh, swept uh, Shaq and Penny. So they beat two yeah, more seed, that. two seed and a three seed. To, uh, and, they were, you know, people had a hard time calling them Cinderella's where they were the defending champions. But they, they actually made a trade that year midseason. They got Drexler for Otis Thorpe and uh, – to be honest, uh, they were only they only won half of their. I mean, they, I think they played 34, 35 games, and uh, from the trade deadline, and they beat. Uh, or I'm sorry, Drexler. I think they were five played 500 ball, but really, if you think about it, they did in the Western Conference. They basically did the same thing. I mean, they won every series by a game until the finals. So, anyway, well, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> You just wanted to make us look stupid, didn't you? No, I just want to see if you yeah, knew that. A lot of people don't know that. I did not know that. So, learning here on Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks for jumping on with us, Jeff. All right. We appreciate it. We're going to get ready to jump to a commercial break. Um, the TR, gather yourself, sir. Jeff made us look stupid there with questions. So, uh, we're going to do a little commercial it's not, it's time. It's hard to do. <laughs> Jeff made us look like uh Dummy. Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He made it look like that. But we're gonna go ahead, take a quick time out, pay some bills. We'll be right back here in just a minute. Hello, my name is Kennedy Miller and I'm a beauty guide for Limelight by Alcone. We are a professional makeup company now being offered to the public after over sixty plus years in the industry. My website is limelifebyalcone.com backslash makeup Kennedy. I can also be found on Facebook as Makeup Kennedy. To contact me about products or joining my team, you can email me at makeupkennedy at yahoo.com. I'll be waiting to hear from you. 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Makeup Kennedy, our sponsor here, my little niece, doing the best she can with makeup out there, making people look pretty, even makes Tim Dombrova look handsome. Can you believe that? T.R., are you with me? Sure. I, uh, I'm finally physically with you. Yeah, I just uh, I just rushed to the uh, to call in because, I, you know, I'm becoming the Artie Lang of the uh, Wide Men Can't Jump franchise, apparently. <laughs> well, as long as things were taken care of, you got to do what you got to do, and that's fine. Um, so we did have Tom Moore on. He joined us earlier. I did extend my apologies to him for you that you could not be here dealing with uh, an issue that we'll talk about, you know, that's, you know, nobody's business but yours. And we were taking care of that little issue there. But glad you're back with us. Glad everything's taken care of. Um, we just want to give a big thank you again to all of our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Big thank you to Makeup Kennedy, Facebook.com slash Makeup Kennedy, and WowFreeCam.com. Also, in case you missed the intro uh, tonight, new intro theme song, uh, Something in the Water by Down and Round 3. You can check them out anywhere you find music down in Round 3. They also like to be called dirt sometimes, so <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But, uh, TR, anything you want to share with us I, uh, tonight? Yeah, um, I, it, it sucks. Um, I had been playing phone tag and Twitter tag or whatever you want to call it in the modern age with Tom and was looking forward to talking to him, especially on you know the uh, night after the Sixers finally advanced. He's been covering them for 30 years. So uh, I apologize on air to him and to anybody that uh, expected some banter between he and I. And uh, I was just going to rib you and talk about the T-Wolves um, then, but uh, you know, thank you to Tom if you're still around listening, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll give him a private note as to uh, what happened, and maybe uh, what did you guys did, did you guys discuss the Sixers? I imagine. Oh yeah, we we dived headfirst into the Sixers and got as much out of it as we could, uh, a whole lot from him, and what a great guest he was. Thanks for booking that up. I mean, he and I had a great call, a great talk, and we hope to have him back soon. Uh, seems you know. Seems like a great guy. He's had you know such a long tenure there, and uh, yeah. you know a fountain of knowledge. Probably got a million old stories, and I'm 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 really pissed that I didn't even get into them. But uh, as long as he comes back, everything will be cool. And I'm 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 slowly uh, getting into the co-host chair as we speak. Definitely. Well, since you're climbing into the co-host chair, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have the return of one of the most popular segments in show history. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the return of Bush League. In my days doing Bush League, that's what I spend, ladies and gentlemen. You know it. Three big screw-ups, and, and we're going to name these guys off as Bush League for their performances. First off, I want to start hey, with a guy. What? Hey, man, I already apologized. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on Bush League. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But... From the San Antonio Spurs, who were eliminated last night 
Um, I could put multiple people on Bush League. Um, I could talk about Pyle Gasol, 1.6 rebounds, nothing there. I could talk about Kawhi Leonard for him not even showing up at all for the playoffs. But, ladies and gentlemen, this week's Bush League nominee, Danny Green. Remember a few years ago, Danny Green, how good he was? Like, he was just a knockdown shooter. All right, so Danny Green in game five against the Warriors, zero points. He played 15 minutes. Um, Zero points, one rebound, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Oh, five from the field. No free throws, 0 of 3, or excuse me, 0 of 4 from three-point land, a minus 10 in the plus-minus, contributing next to nothing in game five when the team needed him most. Danny Green? That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? That's Bush League. <laughs> All right. You brought Kramer <laughs> you over like from LaughCast.com, huh? That wasn't Kramer. That was Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> You know that. Ron Burgundy is the voice behind that? Ron Burgundy does a Bush League, yeah. I, Kramer the does, time, too. I thought that was... Okay. Kramer does one, too. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, now another now. Another Bush League nominee. Could be any number of guys. But I'm going to go with Hassan Whiteside. Ten minutes played against the Sixers last night. Two points, five rebounds. One block, minus 14 in the plus minus. Whereas the man that he's supposed to be matched up against and play so well, Joel Embiid played 30 minutes, 19 points, 12 rebounds, an assist, two steals, a block, and plus 22 in the plus minus. Hassan Whiteside is making a crap. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say he's making a shit ton of money. And there's no reason at all for him to not be playing better than that. So, Hassan Whiteside, I know you're a son of Marshall. I know you went to school here in West Virginia. I know you've improved over the years. But Hassan Whiteside, after that performance last night when you needed to win the most and you're supposed to be the guy. I mean, that is Bush League. That's right. That is Bush League, ladies and gentlemen. All right. And finally. Now I'm picking it up. You got me now? Nice work. My bad. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on. To the final man who will make Bush League this year, or not this year, I should say, this week. All right. Let's take a look at his stats, okay? from the He made the playoffs this year from the last two I, games. I, I, I smell last something two, here, but go ahead. The last two games he played, six points, four rebounds in a loss, and two points, one rebound in a loss, finishing with a stat line in the postseason of six points per game, three rebounds, and a career stat line of 4.4 points per game, three rebounds a game. What a waste this guy was this season with the 10th overall pick. Your Portland Trailblazers own Zach Collins in Bush League again this year, in this week, because, my God, what a waste of a 10th pick. Zach Collins for the crap and not winning a game against the Pelicans, and you're the three seed? That's Bush League. Ah. That's Bush League. So, Bush League is back. Yeah. It's like it never left. A different studio, same same Bush League, different time. Uh, now, that was Cosmo. 
That exactly was Kramer. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Now, so I'm, that's I'm Bush League for this shovel. week. <laughs> yes. While you were busy, I too, I too was busy working on Bush League this week. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Bush League is back. I know so many people have requested it. That segment has returned. So look for it. Maybe we'll have one next week. Maybe we'll make it bi-weekly. It just depends. Uh, quick update here. We will have Eric Pincus joining us here in about a half an hour or so. So, TR, I've talked a few series here, but I want to get your take on some things. What do you think? And go ahead and, and get it all out there. We talked 76ers with Tom Moore, but as our 76ers guy, what do you think about the win they got in that series? Four games to one over the Heat. Uh, absolutely fantastic as far as just winning 20 of their last 21 games. A uh, mixture of veterans, young players, athletes, all seemingly coming together at the right time way earlier than any of us expected, any experts, any casual fans. I mean, uh, when you get a Ben Simmons and you get a Joel Embiid, you know, I uh, early on, you can go back to our archives, our, you know, first or second shows consistently. I did not believe the medical staff. I did not believe Joel would play as many games as he played. And uh, maybe the new slogan should be trust the medical staff because he, uh, besides the flying headbutt from uh, Markel Fultz, you know, and that's a freak accident as far as his uh, regular injuries, quote unquote, I guess they played his card quite well, even at his expense in some cases with him uh, being vocal on social media and so forth. But he changes the game. We play a big, uh, fast style that was during the streak of wins, and uh, he clogs up the middle and stops runs for people just simply from being a presence on the floor and changes the game. So, yeah, we are uh, we are riding a wave, and, uh, you know, if I can't pick apart anything, the only thing that they, they might have shown last night, and I was glad that we played Miami for this reason because of the, the physical nature of the series and the chippiness and the veteran presence in Miami. Uh, we seem to may have grown in just the five games more than we, we may have grown if we played a lesser opponent and just swept them for the uh, upcoming round. Yeah, and, and Tom and I discussed how tough of a team that Miami team is and what they can do out on the floor, and they are a really, really chippy team. And the Sixers showed great poise. They didn't get into a lot of fights, even though they were trying to provoke them, trying to get people tossed, but it didn't happen. And honestly, I think that that's really good for the Sixers moving forward. They really showed that they have good heads on their shoulders. They're veterans. Talked the young guys down a couple times when they were trying to get in the middle of something. And uh, this team, they may be poised poised to make a run it's uh it's strange i mean i don't know if it translated nationally or internationally but you know as a, a sixers guy i look at every little thing and you know if one of them goes down uh, all four of them are you know sprinting over whether it be the bench or you know all every rotation player people from the bench etc and then just make sure their guy's okay and, and getting in there if there's any kind of jaw and making sure he doesn't get a technical or doesn't get you know, even worse if it goes old school and they start, you know, 
getting real physical, which would be a bad move against uh, what's his name, James Johnson from uh, yeah. Miami, because he is a high-level MMA guy, not just uh, a guy who takes it at the local um, YMCA in the off season. He's a guy who, you know, was talked about that could actually have a potential to have a pro fight if he were to, you know, switch careers and dedicate, you know, training to it. So he's, he's a pretty bad dude. I know a lot of Sixers fans are like, Oh, screw him, man. Uh, you know, knock that guy out. You, you don't want to piss him off. He's a, uh, you know, questionably made some questionable plays in this series. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to label him a dirty player, but, um, Everybody was physical, let's put it that way, but I'm glad it, I'm glad Ben didn't decide to throw a punch or, or Covington or any of those guys because they might not be uh, out of the hospital yet, you know, if that were the case. But well, they might good. Not be out of we, the uh, we move on. Go well, ahead. they might not be out of the hospital, and they also may not be able to play for another game or two had they done that. So sometimes you got to exactly. be smart. Got to be smart. A uh, quick update here. With a minute and 33 left in the game, the Toronto Raptors – have taken the lead and are at 101 to 93 on the Washington Wizards and the Cleveland Cavaliers with 636 left are only up 7 on the Indiana Pacers so two games that may come down to the wire at 9:30 the Rockets and the Wolves tip off and the Jazz and the Thunder will tip as well at 9:30 two two series right there TR the Jazz and the Thunder the T-Wolves and the Rockets that could end tonight the Wolves on the road in Houston not looking good for them. Um, hung with the Rockets the other night. They really hung in there. And then the third quarter happened, and that was it. Um, the Jazz and the Thunder, um, Rudy Gobert, there's no answer for him. That, and that's that's the truth. Not enough bench power, not enough players from Oklahoma stepping up. Melo only had 11 points. Uh, that, that Thunder team's just not – they don't have enough. And you, and you look at them on paper and you say, oh, how do they not have enough? They're – they have Paul George. They have Russell Westbrook. Again, stars are great. But what makes teams win championships is those role players. Without those role players, you don't win. Look at Golden State. Golden State, they, they've looked good without Curry, They you know Durant, Thompson, all those guys. But let me tell you, if it wasn't for the guys like Sean Livingston, like Andre Iguodala, like you know, Draymond Green, he's kind of a star, so we'll go ahead and throw him out of that. But JaVale McGee has been playing well. And all those guys that come in and play so well for the Warriors and they can knock down those jump shots and can really keep up the pace while Thompson, Curry, Durant, all those guys are resting, that's where you win championships right there. And that's why teams like that will continue to win, whereas teams that go out and get nothing but offensive stars are never going to put it together. you got to have a bench. You have to. You can't win with just two or three guys. you got to have an entire team. And that's a fact. And, you know, who recognized that, uh, you know, besides us, and, you know, we're, we're mentioning it now, but last summer, uh, Kevin Durant and, and Steph Curry and so forth, Steph got the max deal, but uh, Durant took a pay cut to, to ensure that they could keep those guys on the squad because uh, Iguodala was on a lot of people's lists across the NBA. And, uh, yeah. you know, Livingston as well, but uh, Iguodala could have been attained, but uh, – the front office and the players even met in the middle, so to speak, and uh, and Durant specifically took a slight pay cut to uh, you know live in that rarefied air and have that depth. 
And, uh, you know, let's face it, uh, for the 76ers, pre-rebuild, uh, Andre Iguodala was their number one guy, their star of their team. So yeah. he's, uh, he's a role player, so to speak. I mean, he's got definite um, – I shouldn't call him a role player. It's kind of like above role but not a superstar, whatever that would be uh, determined to be. But, um, but, yeah, he was our guy, and, you know, there he's a, an important cog of the wheel. And it shows in times like this when the superstars are down. And, uh, you know, San Antonio was uh, quite – He's a finals uh, MVP. Don't, don't forget about that. Yeah. He could dollar to be yeah. a, quote, role player. He's a finals MVP. So that shows you right there how important he is. And he also, uh, you know, played for Coach K with, uh, representing the United States. And, mm-hmm. you know, so he's he's valued. Um and he's he's just another another guy on the bench when you you know you think you have a uh, a break when all those three pointers you know get in foul trouble or have a little injury then all of a sudden a defensive uh, stalwart normally comes in and it's it's like when's it going to end these guys got you know so much talent but and that's the way I believe the Sixers are starting to look with some of these acquisitions that came out of nowhere and the injuries coming back. I, that's a little premature. It's a little Philly-esque to compare the uh, Sixers already to a, a franchise like Golden State. But in that respect, that they're that they're building a nice uh, second squad to keep up the uh, situation and plug in and so forth. So, yeah, Golden State, I, uh, I had a feeling they'd creep their ugly head back in and they're going to get even scarier when Steph returns. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And, and you got to look at it like this. Sean Livingston. People are like, oh, Sean Livingston, he's a nice player off the bench. Do people forget Sean Livingston came straight out of college, straight straight out of high school? Like he was supposed to go to Duke. Yeah. I mean, do they forget that he was the number four overall pick in the draft to the Clippers? He was supposed to go to Duke, opted out, came into the league, was drafted by the Clippers. Sean Livingston was supposed to be one of those next big things, and he got injured, and that kind of derailed him for a while. He was hurt, played for the Nets for a little while, you know, jumped around, kind of a journeyman. When he landed in Golden State, he found what he needed. He, With that injury, he's not going to be the guy anymore. He's not going to be that guy that's like, okay, we'll go out here and win this game for us. Uh, take over. Be the player that you were before your injury. But before, after injury and after he got some surgeries on, you know, he got his toe worked on, his knees and everything, this dude has found his niche, and his niche is to be that backup guard who comes in and can score and can play defense. He's six foot seven; he's got a six foot eleven wingspan for a guy that big. Like that's huge arms, just ridiculously huge arms. And he's a point guard that can handle the ball at six seven. Like he was a special talent coming out, and people just kind of looked at him like, ah, eh, you know, he's whatever. He didn't really play that well. Nobody did their homework except for probably Mark Jackson or Steve Kerr. And I believe Livingston was there when Mark Jackson was there. So somebody knew how good this guy was. He had a three-year, $16 million contract that he signed when he came in. And now Livingston is a very key part. If the, if the, if the Warriors lose Livingston, this is a bold prediction, without Livingston and Iguodala, they don't go to the NBA Finals anymore. That, and that's the truth. Without those two players – unless they can get two similar players to them. Let's just say they get a couple J-Brones off the street or, you know, a couple nobodies, and they, they're not like those players in those positions. They don't go to the finals. 
without them. Role players are key. Two guys, and you know, just because I already talked about it, they get Dalla. Um, Livingston, that it's one of those deals where that injury was so crucial. Um, you know, could have been a career ender, and yeah, it certainly it certainly dropped his value, humongous. Um, and you know, he he toughed it out, and it's almost a feel good story. And I, you know, I I think we were I think it was our friend Tony Basilio that that, that said, and I think you agree with this, but I'm not sure if I ever brought it up on air. Um, to make a wrestling analogy, Golden State with Mark Jackson and coming up that way and being exciting and, and changing the game with the three-pointers and everything else, they were a baby face, um, to use that wrestling term, a good guy, if you will, and somebody to get behind nationally. Like if, if your team, mine was the Sixers, who were struggling at that point. You rooted on Golden State, became a uh, part-time Golden State fan, and now all of a sudden they're like the evil empire uh, four years later, but in the case of a guy like Livingston, you can't not like that comeback story in the way he's, um, you know, went from the top of the top as a young man to not knowing if he was ever going to play again to, you know, having rings and having arguably the best or at least top three player, Kevin Durant, taking a pay cut just so he can play with you and keep you playing with him. That I mean, that speaks volumes in itself. So, uh, yeah, I echo everything you said. Um on that. Well, it's like the stars, and it's not even just Golden State. I mean, we don't want to, we don't want to just say it's Golden State. Look at look at when he was in the league, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, guys like that. They they take those pay cuts, one because they're rich as shit. They make more money, like probably off endorsements than they do off of actually playing. But they want to compete. Like who cares? And especially in modern NBA, who cares if you're making you know twenty million dollars a year? But you're sitting at the house come April, late April, early May. Like, look at guys like Mike Conley. Look at that ridiculous contract Mike Conley signed that the Grizzlies gave him. And now they're like competing. They're they're trying to get a, a high lottery pick. You've wasted twenty five twenty some million dollars. I think Mike Conley makes more than LeBron James does because of the switch in the salary cap issues. And we're gonna get into salary cap here in just a little bit with our guest when he comes on. He is the salary cap guy, the NBA. Um, but if you look at that, it's like, why are you spending so much money on a guy who, yeah, he'll be there for a few years, but by the time you're done rebuilding, are you going to have him? Like, why are you paying this guy $25 million to help you compete when you're not wanting to compete, really? You're wanting to get better. You want to win, don't get me wrong, but you don't you got to get better players unless you have some kind of secret free agency model. And Memphis is not exactly a free agency destination unless you're a big Elvis and barbecue fan, which, hey, I raised my glass to some good barbecue. But nevertheless, it's just one man's opinion. Hey, I'm right there with you. I, I yeah. like the city of Memphis, but, but uh, you know, you make a good point about, about the, you know, right time, right place, Mike Conley getting uh, – not that he's a bad player by any means, but no, 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 you know. not trying to take anything away from him. But do you? Would you rather have Mike Conley or LeBron James on your team? And just you know, think about it like that. Well, uh, if, I mean, if I'm a certain, if I'm a certain portion of Philadelphia, I say uh, neither because we're fine organically how we are. But you know, I can't rag <laughs> on people because I got here late and I got to be a baby face and nice guy for a while. 
<laughs> you know, I asked Tom if he was a process truster. I asked him. Oh no, I never discussed that with him in our little uh, in our brief interaction. I'll tell you what. Did he fall I'm not gonna. Of? I'm not gonna fill you in. You're, you're gonna have to go back and listen and find out what he thought of the process. So I'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, so our listeners that are listening now know his feelings and uh big thanks to Jeff for calling in and talking a little ball with us too. That was, that was cool to have, have somebody call in and, and just, and be cool and talk basketball and not try to be a troll or, you know, stuff like that. That was, that was nice. And we, we hope that, you know, maybe somebody else can call in eventually and, and talk some more basketball with us. Maybe not this week, but in the weeks to come. All right. Where did Jeff call in from? Uh, West Virginia, I believe, was the the area code. Oh, okay. So uh, he heard the southern accent and uh, called in with uh, it was a little West Virginia kinship while I was uh, running like a madman trying to get on the air. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so. Well, couldn't have, been, uh, couldn't have been a Sixers guy talking to you or nothing. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, taking part. Final score, the Toronto Raptors go up three games to two on the Washington Wizards. 108-98, the Raptors win. Looking kind of hairy there for them, but uh, early on we talked about it. Uh, Let's see here. DeMar DeRozan finishes with 32. Kyle Lowry has a double-double, 17 and 10 assists, or 17 points, 10 assists. Jonas Valenciunas, 14 points, 13 assists. Uh, Let's see, is this door? DeLon Wright finished with 18 points and a really nice night there for the Raptors. Multiple people contribute. Um, Leader in the plus-minus is Valenciones with plus-19. DeRozan's at plus-15. So good win for the Raptors in Toronto. Now they've got to try and wrap it up in Washington. That will be no easy feat. Uh, Gortat has 10 and 12. Bill goes 20. Wall has 26, nine rebounds, nine assists, a rebound and an assist away from a triple-double. Kelly Oubre, 14 points scoring. Otto Porter only had nine. Um, Excuse me. The plus-minus, Mike Scott, finishes with the best in the plus-minus at plus five. Uh, Worst was Bradley Bill at minus 14. So there's that update there what do you think to you are about the wizards chances to win one in washington and force a game seven coming up well i'll tell you they you know they've looked well at home and uh they have it's strange when strange when you read that bradley beal um negative number uh because early in the series at toronto it seems like he can't get it going up there um and uh just thinking about tv executives Toronto's one step closer, and uh, in the event, Game Five's not a, uh, you know, you don't punch your ticket, but it's certainly a pivotal, pivotal game in any series historically. Um, so, in the event that Indiana were to win tonight, the networks collectively will be uh, shivering that uh, those markets would be in the, uh, you know, crazy eight or whatever it would be at that point. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but. Toronto's the number one seed, you know, they're a good team. It's uh with the with the rise of the Sixers and uh of course the Cavs everybody every year is just like, well, they'll put it together, et cetera. And uh and you know, it's hard to count the Bucks out, but Sixers as we talked with our guest last week, 
I mean, the Celtics, rather, as we talked with our guest last week, uh, <clears throat> Brad Stevens is doing a hell of a job. And if I may point out, now you know I'm getting settled in because I'm getting cocky and cynical. Um, you and I have always talked, going back to when we interviewed Sean Grandy, about Marcus Smart being one of those kind of guys we love on our team. When the game was in question at Boston last night, you see who's on the floor. Again, struggling for the ball, and that makes a key assist at the last moment, and that's Marcus Smart. So um, I think we might end up seeing Boston. But back to the original question, I, I do think that'll go seven, I'm sure. And then game will will tell the true tale about how good Toronto is. Yeah, and just as a little, the percentage odds of coming back being down 3-2 um, in terms of winning two in a row in the playoffs, I believe the stat is you have a 25% chance of doing it. Now, granted, that's not awful odds, but that game five, especially in a 2-2 series, is very important in getting to where you need to go. And Toronto has done it tonight. Um, the Pacers and Cavs, it is a two-point game in Cleveland as the Pacers have closed the gap uh, with one minute, 19 seconds to go. So that one's coming down to the wire. And, man, I tell you what, that was the My series goodness. that everybody had circled, and it has not disappointed. What a great series that's been. Yeah, they, uh, you know, as, as I said before, that they would be, quote, in my white trash lingo, a pain in the ass for the Cavs, but hell, I didn't did. see them winning, you know, not that they won, but uh, I didn't see them coming down the wire now in game five with the series tied in Cleveland and possibly having a shot to take it down here in the stretch. So what a season. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's eerily getting reminiscent to the NFL season where, you know, and I'm not doing this to be a homer, but, you know, our Philadelphia Eagles – ended up winning but it, it seemed like you know anybody's game at some point and late and that's kind of where it's going right now with the NBA this has been one of the most fun NBA playoffs in recent memory Can, like I think that's fair to say um, because there's been some great games there's been some great series and remember a couple of years ago when it was just like oh, Cavs Warriors Cavs Warriors yay the East, nobody knows who's coming out, and Kyle Lowry misses a three. I'm sorry, I pulled it up. Kyle Lowry has missed a three, and Old Depot now has the rebound and is dribbling down, down two with 40 seconds left. So, But this has been one of the most fun NBA playoffs that I can remember, and we have a tie well, ball game. Been a long, that must have been a long – wow. That must have been a long three if it was Kyle Lowry. I think you've read that wrong because I meant Kyle Corver, excuse me. <laughs> You know, and remember, I only do this for a living. I call games for a living. <laughs> That's awesome. But the bonus makes a jump shot. <laughs> Kyle Lowry give. missed a three. <laughs> Fuck you. That's hey, at funny. least I was on time, you ah, bastard. Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I've been watching my P's and Q's since I just got on here. You know? <laughs> like it fired yeah, from another got... show. <laughs> 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 hey, at least this show paid you. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. All right. But we got a tie ball game in Cleveland, um, and it's coming right down to the wire. And this has been a really fun series. There's been some great series. I'm actually really looking forward to flipping between the NFL draft tomorrow night and the Boston-Milwaukee game 
because, you know, in Boston, Terry Rozier showed up last night for Boston. Uh, Marcus Smart played some key minutes, as you mentioned earlier, and Al Horford, 22-14 and 14 for the Celtics to beat the Bucks. What a What a night he had. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's often overlooked, and he's he definitely just a solid, steady, big uh, veteran player and kind of a, a a typical guy that you would see uh, flourishing under Brad Stevens, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Horford's not – he's got that big contract, and he's not going to be the guy on the team, but he will have nights like this. And the Cavs now take the ball, and let's see what they can do here uh what an interesting interesting out game oh lord and the Cavs have turned the ball over 26 seconds on the clock the Pacers have a ball and a chance to take a 3-2 series lead so you know if you're listening to this after the fact I'm sorry but you know we got to get hyped here on this show we got a great show here and we've got a great game going on NBA TR, is, is there really a better time in the year than the NBA playoffs? Like, especially when they're as unpredictable and as fun as they are this year? Because the past couple of years, the playoffs have been kind of meh because it's like, well, we all know where this is heading. But not this year. Yeah. We don't know this year. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for, for, the sake of, for the sake of your uh, fandom – you know, it kind of sucks that Jimmy Butler went down and you got that early seed to play uh, the juggernaut that is the Rockets, at least for now. I still, you know, I'm still a skeptical, a doubting Thomas, no pun, uh, about the Houston Rockets and their chances of, you know, uh, showing up when the bright lights are on. So it'll be interesting to see if, if it ends up Golden State and Houston at some point and then, you know, even further if if they make it that far. But uh to me, it's not a foregone conclusion for anybody, including Golden State. And I think this year specifically, it reminds me of a of a time, you know, before it was, uh, like you said, same old, same old, Cavs versus Golden State. And yeah, in a time before anyway. super teams. In a time before super yeah. teams, right? Exactly. If you hear any uh, noise um, in the background, hear any noise in the background? My mom's getting a carrot cake out of a pan. So. <laughs> Oh my God, that sounds good right now. I have a little spoiler <laughs> alert because I I I, I moved uh, in my palatial estate to my home studio where there's a uh, monitor in the background and King James made a key block on I can't really see from where my vantage point, but it could have been Oladipo. Um, so cast the ball back with three seconds. Okay. Yeah, you just spoiled that for me. Thanks, jerk. <laughs> I'm a little behind. Oh come on. No, I, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine, but yeah, um, so TR, with LeBron going, getting the block, and it's all tied up, they're in Cleveland, who's getting the shot, you think? <laughs> um, that's hard, man. It could be anybody on that team. <laughs> it could be anybody. <laughs> Place your bets. Who's taking the shot in Cleveland? I have a feeling. I think I know who it's going to be. Tristan Thompson for three. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mom. And then, the carrot cake uh, didn't turn out quite right, did it, Mom? <laughs> it stuck to the pan. <laughs> bless, bless your heart. She's been sick. I'm, I'm sorry for. I'm sorry to, to dive off here. My mom's been sick. I hope you feel better. And she's just looking at me I, like I feel better, up. Miss. Feel better, Mrs. Bush, from from all of us here. 
my my co-host has said, please feel better. She was very impressed by the video of you singing, by the way. Uh, it's very nice. It was uh, a lifetime ago, and if I tried to hit any note right now, it would sound awful. But Yeah, in case you guys uh, haven't seen, there is a video of Mr. TR on fa- on the Internet. I won't say what to, to search it, but if you want to share it, TR, you're more than welcome to. He's singing, and the song that he sings, uh, not exactly a song you would think that he would sing, but he did a great job. There you go. little teaser. Maybe my career will come back from 2004. <laughs> and LeBron takes the shot, and it's good. Cavs win. Yeah, you you know, I just right, kind of saw not. that about a second before you did. Wow, they might call maybe it not. off. I think they're going to look at it. I don't know if he got it off in time. Maybe he did. I don't know. I mean, who who did you think was going to – I mean, honestly – you should have put the whole team. I'll tell you on what. Guy. You should have known. I think yeah, but uh, yeah, I PR, mean that, I that goes along. I believe our guest is joining us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now from NBA TV and capologist from B-Ball Insiders and a writer for Bleacher Report, Mr. Eric Pinkus. Thank you, Eric, for jumping on with us. Of course, happy to do it. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. So, you also cover the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, is that correct? That's correct, uh, for Bleacher Report, yes, sir. Yes. So, I have one question for you. With you being the cap, the guy who manages or knows the cap about the NBA, has the full rundown, who do you think the Lakers try to score big in free agency? Everybody's saying Paul George, but is there somebody that we're missing that the Lakers are going to go after in free agency? Well, who are the best players potentially available? LeBron, Paul George, yeah. and before his injury, DeMarcus Cousins. Well, Cousins, I think, is, is lower on their radar because of that injury, and they're going to go after the best players available. And then the other guy to keep an eye on is Kawhi Leonard to see what do the Spurs do. Do they work things out with, with the, the all-star who's been hurt all year, uh, or do they look to trade him? So those are the Lakers are not thinking – like, let's find some sneaky guy that no one's thinking about. They're thinking about, like, the absolute best players in the league. And if they get a no, then they'll go on to the next question. Uh, but for right now, they're looking at the tops, top guys. Hey, Eric, how you doing? It's TR. Um, echoing Nate's question, does uh, we cover a lot of X's and O's and, and so forth and eye test and, uh, you know, other forms, but one thing that we do not uh, really have a great knowledge of is, you know, uh, luxury tax sitting under the caps, so forth. Um, Julius Randle was a guy, always mentioned trade deadlines, so forth. Is is he a guy that can fit in somehow, or, or will he be on the way out when they go after these big free agents? Well, the timing is such that uh, Julius can talk to other teams on July 1st, but as long as the Lakers make an offer to him, a qualifying offer before the end of June, which is not a lot of money. It's like under $6 million right around there. Uh, it's just like a, a placeholder. You will give you an offer. You won't take it at that amount, but we have the right to match a bigger offer if we can't work something out. So that he's, he's worth more than $6 million a year, uh, but another team might offer him $25 million, might offer him $20 million, might offer him $15 million. But the Lakers have the opportunity to match. But the challenge is, 
if they get a yes answer from LeBron and if they get a yes answer from Paul George, well, then they, ha- they don't have the room to keep Julius Randle because while he's restricted and he's not signed, still takes up some of their cap space. In this particular case, almost $12.5 million, that's Julius Randle unsigned. It's just the right to have him as that restricted free agent costs them that amount of money. They don't have to pay it, but it's a little hold so they can't spend elsewhere. So then, then it becomes a question of can they find a, a, a trade destination for Luol Deng? Can they get rid of his bloated contract for a guy that doesn't fit what they're trying to do? And what is the cost to move it? Is it a first-round pick? Is it two first-round picks? Do they lose any of their core players to keep Julius Randle? I mean, would you want to trade Brandon Ingram just so you can keep Julius Randle? The answer is probably no. They'd probably rather have Brandon Ingram. So these are the kind of decisions. But if they don't get yeses from multiple guys, they might be able to keep Julius and get one guy, one like a Paul George and Julius, and then think about 2019 and going shopping when guys like Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson and other guys are free agents. Gotcha. Well, since you cover the Lakers, I do have one more question about him. Brooke Lopez, do you see him sticking around in L.A., or do you think he's long gone? I, I think there's there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, he fit in really well eventually. There was a stretch uh, where he, he was miserable, and it, it, he didn't know how to help the team. He didn't know how to contribute, but they worked past that. They found a way, and he really the fit with Julius Randle was really strong uh, because Lopez can stretch the floor to the three while Randle doesn't have that outside shot. Uh, and Randle's a very good rebounder, and, and Lopez is not, but his teams tend to rebound well. He just doesn't get a lot of the individual rebounds. So uh, the challenge, again, it, it's a money situation. And, and we asked him, meet the media at, at exit interviews when the season was over, would he – consider if the team was a championship contender get some of these stars would he come back for less money and he said that he would definitely consider it and i don't know how many teams are really going to go after a guy like lopez who plays a position that isn't in favor like it used to be uh centers are not uh really uh really the focus of the nba anymore it used to be you needed a, a point guard in the center and or maybe a, a wing player like a kobe and a center uh, and you would be fine. But the game has shifted. And so uh, Lopez is doing his best to fit into that. What's, what's interesting is, is that the Lakers will have about uh, four-something to spend, four million, call it, to spend. After they use all their cap room, they have, get like a little extra exception to spend. And they could use that to pay Lopez, and then the next year they would still have his rights, so they would be able to pay him a bigger contract the following year. If he has a chance to play with like LeBron James and Paul George and all these young guys, stay in Los Angeles for $4 million and then the chance of maybe signing the next year for 10 or 15, that might be something he seriously considers. Gotcha. Um, switch gears a little bit. Uh, we got some games going on right now. So uh, a special thank you for calling, you know, joining the show as games are going on. Um, pre playoffs. And now as we stand uh, where some of the first round series are over and, uh, some are uh, showing a uh, direction that they're going. Have, has your uh, opinion of, of any teams uh, changed in the first round of the NBA playoffs this year? Well, the obvious one is, is the Pelicans, right? Like, I, I thought the Blazers would beat them, and in turn right. they swept them right out of the playoffs. So, uh, Drew Holiday's 
really been absolutely tremendous. And we already knew Anthony Davis was one of the best players in the league. Really impressed by Rajon Rondo and what he's done. Uh, He did the same thing last year in Chicago. He had Boston on the ropes until he got hurt. And then once he went down, Chicago had no shot in that series. So uh, very impressive. And equally, I'm I'm surprised at how uh, poorly the postseason went for the Blazers. You know, they just were knocked right out. All you got to do is double up Damian Lillard and, and that's it. And that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. agree with you on that one. I came out of nowhere. Go ahead, Nate. Yeah, the Pelicans really were the biggest surprise thus far. Um, LeBron just hit a shot at the buzzer for the Cavs to beat the Pacers. Is That that shouldn't shock anybody. Um, but one thing that I have noticed this playoff season, it's not as predictable as it was, say, a year ago, two years ago, where we all know where we're heading. It's just a formality. Um if you had to pick right now, being as you know, you're a salary cap expert. You, you know, you do everything. You've I've seen you on NBA TV. You cover the Lakers, so you know your basketball. If you had to pick one team from the East, one team from the West, right now, who are you throwing in the finals as our uh, resident expert here? Well, it's it's a little bit less predictable, but at the same time, like I still had, and I was asked the other day when the series was tied up uh, with Cleveland and Indiana, who, who did I have? I, if it comes down to picking between Victor Oladipo and LeBron James, who are you going to pick? Now, I like the Pacers as a team. think that they're a really good, solid B-plus team. And the Cavaliers are a bit of a mess, but equally they have the best player arguably in the world uh, in LeBron James. So I pick them to win the series still. And the Warriors, I, I feel like the longer they're alive in the playoffs, the better they're going to be uh, because they're going to get stepped back. Uh, the guys who have been out are going to get their rhythms even, you know, they're going to get, I mean, Clay's been playing pretty well, so it's not like he has to do much more, but uh, even even Durant, like, there's stretches where he's great, and then I still feel like there's a, 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 there are other gears once the Warriors get healthier and get back into their flow. Uh, that's a bad thing and a dangerous thing, so I don't see who's beating them. Now, the Rockets, they're definitely a threat, and they're a lot of fun to watch. The Pelicans are interesting. Don't think they can beat the Warriors. You go through all these other teams. I like some of them. I just don't know anyone who can beat the the, the Golden State Warriors. I, maybe the Rockets. Maybe we get back to back to back to back uh, Warriors and Cavs, and I probably have the Warriors winning that series. And I would not be shocked if that's how it goes. I would like to see some variety. I just don't have as much faith in DeMar DeRozan and – Kyle Lowry as I do in LeBron James and that's just the reality I, I think they have a better team in Toronto but they don't have LeBron James okay. interesting I, uh, I I I share that same sentiment to a degree like as long as LeBron's breathing and playing uh, they could go seven they could be down three zero and something crazy and, and illogical and Somehow, some way, as, as shown tonight in the last second shot, that uh, they go up three two in Game Five. Um, I'm a Philadelphia guy. Eric and uh, Nate is a T Wolves fan. Nate has a game that I think just tipped or whatever. Uh, game Five there, yeah, down three to one. Doesn't, doesn't look too good there, buddy. But uh, I'm going to uh, skip to the Philadelphia 76ers, who I, I mentioned this before you came on the air. Nobody uh, saw this coming. I have been, you know, pranced around when I was correct, and I must say that I was wrong about certain things like Embiid 
I didn't think he would play as many games as he did. And, you know, I, uh, quite frankly, I didn't see this coming. Uh, what's the feeling nationally on the Philadelphia 76ers? I know they're the darling team in some respects, but as far as uh, just breaking it down from a perspective of do they have a chance in uh, – of course they have a chance, but are they a legitimate contender to go to the, uh, to the finals? Well, they have a real shot. I don't think they're going to get that far. But um, before the season, when I went through the East, I said, you know, I think Philly is a playoff team this year. I really do. And and some of that, of course, is going to be on health. And, indeed, that's been a question. But I was bold, and I drafted him in my fantasy league, and he did great for me. <laughs> it's just uh, he's, a, he's a special player. And it's it's fun to watch this team come from where they came from, that they stuck with the coach. Uh, Brett Brown and didn't dump him. A lot of times uh, it's like a crap job where you're, you're a transition coach and they're not paying you a lot of money to go out there and lose eight, you know, 70 games, 60 games, and it looks terrible on your resume, and then you get a bunch of draft picks, and by the time your team is any good, they fire you and bring in a real coach. And that, that's, right. you know, pardon me, but that kind of sucks. You know what I mean? And that's, that's how it, it's common that that happens. They gave Brown a really long contract. Uh, they were patient, and what's interesting is that they had a regime change. You know, you had Hinky out, and Colangelo's in, and they stuck with Brown. And, and um, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I cover, in, you know, any Lakers or Clippers games with the Sixers, and you go to the pregame presser and you talk to Brett Brown, I mean, for a few minutes, you leave, you know, I'm going back a couple of years, right? You leave that conversation right. like, uh, man, I, man, the Sixers—they're I, I, gonna—they're gonna win it all right now. And then you look at the record, and they've got like five wins. But he—he—he's—he's—he's so, he, he's really got a great message. He's a great deliverer of the message that he has, and they've stuck with it. So I'm happy for them nationally. Uh, JJ's playing out of his mind. I'm happy for him. I covered him a long time with the Clippers. I—I uh, I know Marco really well. Uh, just a a fun team. Ben Simmons. I saw him play in uh, Utah before the season last year in, this, in the preseason, uh, around the preseason in the summer league. And I'm like, man, this guy is already a top passer in this league. The way he can use his body and his strength, his physical attributes, and just set players up, it's really stunning. And no, he can't shoot, uh, but that's okay. I mean, let's see what he can do. I thought he was going to be impactful. Uh, really happy for their success. If there's any team that you can squeeze your eyes and squint and say, you know, maybe. I feel like the Raptors have more experience, but, uh, man, I mean, Lowry and DeRozan, they have ups and downs, and historically it's been more downs than ups in the playoffs. Uh, but I don't look at anyone else other than, you know, you get to the LeBron factor. That's the one thing. And I can't pick anyone else but LeBron in the East because until he's out of the East, that's all. As far as I can go back in my memory, you know, it's just what he does. He goes to the finals. Uh, but I like the Sixers, well, and I'm happy for them. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Eric, we don't want to take too much of your time, but we do want to thank you for jumping on with us, and you are welcome on any time. TR, you got any more questions for Eric before we let him go? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, only only a plea that he can come back and help us after the season's over uh, to, you know, have our rumor mill and kind of, like, crunch the numbers with us and, uh, you know, get us on board with that. So hopefully, sir, you can come back uh, in the off season if that's cool with you. Absolutely. Sure. Just let me know. And uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks guys. And uh, anytime you need me to reach out and we'll see what we can do. We'll try to get back on. All right. Thank you, sir. We really right, appreciate it. Also, 
Quick update, Mike Budenholzer has, is no longer the coach of the Hawks, for anybody that's listening out there. Mike Budenholzer and the, parts, and the Hawks have parted ways. Shocker. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric, for coming on. We appreciate you, and you have a good night. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. All right, that was Eric Pincus from Bleacher Report, covers the Lakers, and you can see him on NBA TV. From time to time, as he is their capologist, as he is on B-Ball Insiders, this dude knows so much about cap room when it comes to the NBA, it's scary. And I'm glad we can have a guy like that, especially coming up as the offseason approaches, and we're going to start getting into some heavy hitting when it comes to players and new contracts and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, that was great, great uh Great guests you booked there, and, uh, you know, especially, like I said, during a, a, game, a night with four playoff games for him to take the time to call him was great. And uh, it's awesome that we opened the doors for, uh, you know, after the season because we're, we're 24-7, 365, you and I, you know, as far yes, as the sir. NBA. We, sometimes, like, around the draft is, uh, is fun, and, you know, free agency and so forth is just, just as fun. Well, maybe not just as fun, but close to the same excitement as, like, a, almost – to the finals and so forth. So, man, you got to remember, I've been, a, I've been a T Wolves fan for for years. You got to remember, there for a while, the draft was the most fun I got to have all year when it came to basketball. <laughs> the draft and free yeah, agency, it was the only fun I ever had. Like, I remember I getting mean, uh, yeah. guys like Luke Ridnour. I was like, yes, we got Ridnour. Yes, playoffs. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got you know I got to experience that in the in the past few years, but we but we all know why, and we beat that point to death. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if there's any Cinderella story and any you know historical thing that could happen in these playoffs, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for you. I mean, you certainly got a lot of talent. It's not impossible. It's not probable or likely, but it's not impossible. So, I mean, just keep the faith. We'll see what happens tonight. And, you know, it's one I'm game at a time, as the old cliche says. I'm pulling for them. I hope they do it. But in reality, I'm a realist. I don't think they're going to do it. I think tonight's the last night. Uh, but, Minnesota, I love you. I'll be with you forever and always as a fan. And, uh, you know what, if they're out, they did what I wanted them to do. They made the playoffs. They broke the curse. These young guys got some playoff experience. They got a playoff win. They did beat probably the best team in the NBA this season um, in the playoffs, handedly. Uh, Derrick Rose's career, I won't say it's resurrected, but he looks good. Looks like a good player, so maybe we can keep him around as long as he keeps it up. Um, maybe add some, some shooters and some defenders in the offseason, and, man, Minnesota could be scary next year. That's all I'll say, because Wiggins has already signed his extension. Butler's got another year at least, and Carl Anthony Towns is getting ready to get his big payday. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, guys. Never know. Well, I was trying to get you to have a little glimmer of hope because you know I got you got got to be a realist. Had, you know the two. Yeah, I, I guess I was I was trying to hope for you and for show purposes. You know, obviously uh, that that would be like a miracle story um, because we've had you know through you, the uh, broadcast team on different episodes, um, Dave Benz and Jim Peterson. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of people, a lot of T-Wolf support. And, uh, you know, it would kind of suck. It just it sucked the way it, it happened when Butler went down. Um, even for me here, not, not you know, 
not to the level of you. You've you've opened my eyes to that you know that franchise a little bit more than I ever had. And then you know I see as I mentioned with some guests before. I'm not sure which episode. Carl Anthony Towns is decked out in Eagles gear and went crazy at the Super Bowl for our Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't want to see you know the young man go down. But uh, we'll see what happens a little bit, a little bit later and uh, maybe just maybe by uh, next week. Hopefully they'll still be alive, but we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. Could you imagine if Minnesota and Philly met in the finals? Holy shit, this podcast would be on edge. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that you would – I mean, that would be crazy for one. I mean, in, in the current situation right now. But, uh, you know, Minnesota would become the big story had they come back. You know, you know, this is yeah. a real reach here, but let's – we're doing fantasy here. So, yeah, if that were the case – it would be, you, you know, going in, I think uh, our ratings would blow up considering those are the teams we specifically cover, but for sure. we, we might have to, we might have to shift uh, Wednesday night as our flagship around that whole damn series. I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? But, I know uh, we would. One can dream. That'd be a good problem yeah. to have. So one can dream. It would be a great problem to have, but speaking of problems to have, we are out of time here tonight on wide men can't jump. TR's just getting his first wind and now we're out of time. Uh, but what, uh, want to thank all of our guests for coming on Tom Moore. Thanks for jumping on. I uh, hope to have him back soon as well as Eric Pincus. Uh, great guest. Really appreciate you guys jumping on. Thanks to Jeff for calling in. Uh, thanks to you for listening out there and check out our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. That's newlawoffice.com. Makeup by Kennedy. She's at facebook.com slash makeup Kennedy and wow free cam dot com check them out as well for all your needs uh big thank you to our buddies in down in round three for the intro song something in the water uh tr thank you for jumping on with me here tonight uh i want to give uh give you guys a chance follow us on face on facebook where wide men can't jump we're on twitter at wide jump give us a follow we'll follow you back instagram wide men can't jump follow us there we're on there as well Make sure you show us some love on iTunes. If you listen to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating. It helps the show out tremendously. Please and thank you. Leave a positive review. Check us out. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Podbean, anywhere, anywhere you can think to find a podcast. We're there. Just Google or just look at Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio. We can find our archives there at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. Check out our other shows on our network, including the Tim and Tom show, the uh, wide men can't score show, which is the hockey show on Monday. We also have the Sunday night round table every Sunday night and uh, any NFL fans, make sure you check out our NFL draft breakdown. Check it out. We go through the whole first round. So check it out with our guest, Thomas Bain, who really knows this stuff. TR, anything you want to add, buddy? No, I just, uh, we're going home, so to speak, in wrestling language. And uh, yes, I sir. almost feel like Brock Lesnar because I came on like a part-time contract tonight. But, uh, you know, <laughs> everything's cool. Everything's cool. I mean, uh, once again, a public apology to Tom Moore, who I pestered to come on, at, including late this afternoon. And then uh, when he when we finally get a chance to have him on, I I wasn't there, so I apologize to Tom and to our listeners. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna tighten this ship up, and we're gonna go forward. And uh, 
good job, Nate, for handling it. And uh, I can't wait to listen back. All right. Well, for TR and I'm Nate Bush. Thanks to our guest again. Thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the show. TR, take us home, man. Peace.